turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16. And while you're turning there, we've got a few folks out sick uh, today. We've got some others traveling. Just want to remember them. And Susan Quinn in the hospital, the Lord did touch her and brought her through uh, so much. She's doing so much better, but she is still in the hospital today. Also, y'all, it's going to be Thanksgiving and Christmas before we know it. We're going to have a special uh, calendar of events out there, our services, uh, some special services and times of things coming up. We'll have that on the website, and we'll have it out in the foyer as well. But I'll let you know right now, December 19th, that Sunday evening, is like our big year-end Christmas fellowship. We won't have prayer that night. It'll we'll just come up here in the evening, I think at 5 o'clock, and... Uh, Dee's making, uh, we're going to have chili served and, and salad and food and all kinds of dessert stuff and do a big bonfire out here in the back. And uh, it's a, a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time of fellowship right at the end of the year and right before Christmas. So that's December 19th on a Sunday evening. All right, open with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 7, verses 15 and 16 is what we're going to open with. Genesis 7, 15. And they went into the, into, unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. We're going to talk this morning about being shut in by the Lord. Amen? Where God shuts his people in. And the Bible actually indicates in this instance that it was a supernatural act of God. It wasn't just like they... They closed up the door like we would close a door or, or, you know, pulled the big pulley and turned it and closed it up. It says very clearly at the end of that verse that the Lord shut him in. And it indicates something supernatural that God had placed Noah and his family and all the animals that he had commanded to be there. God drew them. He put them on the ark and then he sealed them in there. He shut them in. And after 120 years, roughly, of building the ark, 120 years of Noah obeying the Lord and, and being a preacher of righteousness and, and maybe very, very unknown to most of the people, he was serving God and doing the will of God. And it came to this point where the Lord shut him in. It was time. The Lord said, the end of all flesh has come before me. The end of all flesh has come before me. And God is getting ready to bring judgment upon the earth. He's going to pour out uh, this flood. The fountains of the deep are going to break forth, and the windows of heaven are going to open and rain 40 days and 40 nights. A very severe, uh, earth-changing, environment-changing event where all the flesh is destroyed except uh, what is with all the flesh on the earth is destroyed except what was in the ark and who was in the ark and what was in the ark with Noah. But God oftentimes shuts his people in, and I'm going to use it figuratively as what we're, we're talking about today, but we see that God shuts his people in, and he does it for our protection, and he does it for our prep preparation. He shuts us in for our protection, and he shuts us in for our preparation for what he has for us to come. It's not what we would choose. It's not necessarily an enjoyable thing to be shut in by God, but it's what our Lord in his wisdom and foreknowledge has chosen for us. And we see it in saints of God, and we see it in our own lives at times. I just want to read this from Ezekiel 3.24. This prophet Ezekiel, one of the major prophets 
to Israel. Then the Spirit entered into me, he said, and set me upon my feet, and spake with me, and said unto me, Go, shut thyself within thine house. There was a time where God shut him off. There was a time where God put him away, not for uselessness or, or idleness, but he shut him up for his protection. He shut him up, in this instance, for his preparation, for his ministry, that what he had for him. Go shut yourself up in the house. And God does this. He shuts his people in, talking about his people that know him, that are born again, not as some type of punishment or cruelty. God does it. He does it at his own will. He does it to fulfill his own holy purposes in and through the lives of his people. There are times, I can't say it's all the time, there are times in the lives of believers, and I think the more serious we get with God, the more surrendered we are to the Lord, the more likely that it is we're going to recognize and see this and sense the calling of God to, to a life or to a period of life where we're shut in. But he, he shuts us in for a time of, as I said, protection and preparation. Noah and his family, obviously, and all the animals were shut in by the Lord into the ark for their safety, for their deliverance from the death and the destruction and the judgment of God that was all around them. And David even recognizes this. He says, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. There he's talking about protection from wicked men and, and busybodies and, and wickedness, wicked people all around us. But God shuts us in for protection and for preparation. And so we see it oftentimes where the Lord is shutting in in his care. He's under his watchful eye. Like I said, it's not cruelty. It's not a punishment. We see God shutting his man or woman into a place of hiding, basically sealed off with the Lord, sealed off from the normal activities of life, sealed off from the normal enterprises of life and routines of life, and uh, in the presence of the Lord. And, and it can be a misunderstood time as well because he is the master potter, is fashioning us to be the vessels and preparing us to fulfill a specific work at a specific time. We're vessels. Patricia talked about it in Sunday school this morning. We're vessels to receive from the Lord and to dispense and disperse back out. That's what we are. We're not permanent. We're permanent in the sense of in, in, we're eternal beings, but on this earth, Everything is temporary, and there, there's a time of preparation where God will shut his people off and shut, him, uh, shut his people in with the Lord to prepare them for what he has next, for what's about to come. And we're not to despise that, just like we're not to despise the chastening of the Lord. And this might be kind of grouped in with the chastening of the Lord. We're not to despise uh, the trials and tribulations that come our way. We're to rejoice in those, and if there was the persecution of the Lord, we're to count it all joy and so forth. But Joash, and, and I'm just going to read this. Joash was, uh, became a king as a child of, of Judah, and his father was Ahaziah, Ahaziah, and he was wicked, and he was slain. This king was slain, and the queen, his mother, Actually, Ahaziah's mother took all of the, the children of the king and had them all killed because she wanted to reign. She was very wicked. I just want to read this. So this is what this wicked woman is doing at the death of her son who had been king. 
she kills all the, the royal seed. But it says, but Jeho Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain. And they hid him, even and his nurse, in a bedchanger from Athaliah. That was the queen, the, the woman that became queen. So that he was not slain. And he was with her, hid in the house of the Lord six years. And Athaliah did reign over the land. Now, that, I'm sure you've read that story at some point. But it's very interesting. This woman is wicked. Uh, the, the king's killed her son. And she kills all the king's male children so that she, she can reign as queen, and she did for six years. But she didn't know it. One of the king's children at one year old was taken by a nurse and hidden in the house of the Lord of all places. He was hidden in the house of the Lord for six years. And we don't have time to go into the whole story, but when I read it, I get really excited because it just shows how God turns things around. She's wicked. She's reigning and ruling. And God's got a plan the whole time. And at seven years old, seven years old, there was a godly priest at the time uh, that Jehoiada, and under the, the tutelage, tutelage of, the, of the king, I mean of the priest, he grows up there in safety. And there's a whole plan where he goes into the temple with all the guards around him and all the soldiers and all the priests. And they go into the temple with this little seven-year-old boy. I know that woman must have been shocked, that queen. And they said, God save the king. And they shout and they said, this, this uh, uh, I'm sorry, this Joash is, is king and going to reign as king. And they took the queen and killed her and all that were aligned with her. But the point to me is he was shut in in the house of the Lord, literally. He was hidden for six years. You think, well, what, it's just a waste of time. You know, let's just get to the, to the good stuff. Let's get to the end of that story. But that time is important, that time being shut in in the house of the Lord. And we see it here with Joash, and he became king, and, and God used that. Uh, he was not the most godly king, actually. He, became, he was godly while the priest... Uh, Jehoiada was, was in charge, and there was a, a revival. There was a renewal in the covenant of Israel to Jehovah. The, the uh, altars in the temple of, of Baal, they were, they were torn down. The priest of Baal was killed, and so it was a good turning to the Lord. But it's not always easy to be shut in. It's a t it can be a time of preparation. It can be a time of chastening of our souls. It can be a time of death to ourselves where we're being shut in, and we don't naturally enjoy that. We don't naturally enjoy that. None of us would choose it for ourselves. Now, we all choose to be with the Lord, okay, in the retreat and to be with the Lord, but none of us would choose this place that I'm speaking of, of being shut in by the Lord, kind of separated from life, and life sort of passing us by. Uh, it can be hard, it can be unusual. It can be misunderstood by others. You might be misunderstood if God calls you away. I think a lot of times about the intercessor, Reese Howells, if you ever read his book, The Intercessor. Real person. I mean, you read it, it almost sounds like, you know, like you're reading about a, a superhero or a fiction 
but he was a real person, and he was misunderstood. People that are separated unto God and obey an unusual call of God upon their lives can be misunderstood. We can't despise that. We just have to take that as part of the territory and go ahead and serve the Lord. But nobody enjoys being shut in. We might think, shouldn't I or couldn't I be doing something else? You know, I know that was a young boy that we talked about, Joash, six years being shut in. Knowing his family a year on the ark from the time the whole event started till the ground dried out and they came off. Couldn't I and shouldn't I be doing something else right now? Other people are doing things. Other people are serving even in the, in the church. And, but God sees it as being uh, absolutely necessary. God sees it as being necessary to prepare us for what's ahead and to make us vessels of honor unto God. And that is what we're called to be. And I don't think it's just for certain special, unique individuals. There are times in our lives where we're separated by God, where we're shut off and shut in by the Lord because He is preparing us for what's ahead and He is making us vessels of honor unto God. Moses was, became God's shepherd of His people Israel. He became the deliverer of Israel and an intercessor and a type of Christ in those things, and the way that he interceded and so forth. But he was shut up in a desert for 40 years, 40 years of his life, one-third of his life, 40 years in Egypt as the son of Pharaoh, basically, 40 years in the desert after fleeing from Pharaoh, and 40 years in the wilderness leading God's people. But there was that 40 years in the desert where the Lord was, he was shut in with God, you could say. He was un, unknown to the, to the world to the civilized world at that time. They had no idea what became of Moses. He fled. He went way out in the desert, married a wife, had children and so forth, and he's tending sheep, tending sheep day and night, day and night for 40 years of his life, just like in obscurity, and yet he's right in the will of God. He's right in the purpose and the plan of the Lord. And when that day came where the Lord appeared to him in the, in the burning bush, and said, I've seen the affliction of my people, and I have come to deliver them. I want you to go stand before Pharaoh. That was a necessary time. God saw it as a necessary time to make that man his shepherd of his people, and the deliverer of his people, and the intercessor of his people. And it was 40 years shut up, you could say hidden, in the desert. Amen. While God was working in his life. Joseph, in the Old Testament, shut up by the Lord in Potiphar's house after being sold as a slave by his brothers, shut up in prison before God promoted him to be prime minister of Egypt. There was a specific time and a specific purpose that God had uh, shut him in for, and he was preparing him for a specific purpose when that period was over. To be prime minister specifically, you know what Joseph, what the God used him for so greatly was to sustain life. To, to, again, we heard a, rough, a little bit of this in, in Sunday school, that the famine was coming. The Lord knew that the seven years of famine was coming, and he placed a man with the wisdom of God, and they could hear from the Lord and interpret dreams and so forth, Joseph, and he placed him in that position. It didn't look like it. He's a slave in Potiphar's house. He's a prisoner in the prison, and he's taken out and made prime minister, and all that was in preparation to use him because he would, God would, through him, would have the plan to store up the crops and to sustain life. And here comes a Jacob 
and all the patriarchs and all the, the children, 70 souls in all, during the famine because there's no food where they were, and they came to Egypt and survived there and kept the nation alive and kept the nation going. So it was a specific purpose that God had in, in shutting him in and in that preparation. David was shut in, again, with sheep as a young boy, the youngest of all his brothers, the least. And unnoticed, you would say. This is not a pity party, but he was uh, overlooked, to say the least. He was shut up with the sheep, unnoticed. He's unnoticed by his brothers, even. Uh, and later, he was hiding, shut up, you could say, in the wilderness and in caves, fleeing from Saul. All this is part of God's plan, though. This is not out of control, and God's got to fix it somehow. It was exactly what he had for, for David. It's exactly what he had for David. We think about him killing a giant, and we think about him reigning on the throne, and a man after God's own heart. But much of his life was unnoticed as a shepherd boy, overlooked by his own family at many, many occasions, and then hiding, I don't know how many years that was, fleeing from Saul in caves and wilderness and so forth. Uh, and God made him the shepherd of his people when he was ready. But he was making him the shepherd of his people during all that time of preparation. And again, I don't know that anyone enjoys that time. I wouldn't think David enjoyed hiding in caves and fleeing in the wilderness and things like that. Or Moses being shut up, shut up in the wilderness, uh, in the desert and so forth. But we don't enjoy that time where the Lord has shut us in to prepare us. But I do believe by faith if we would see, and maybe in this message somehow God will open our eyes a little further to see it. By faith, if we can see God's hand, if we can see that this is the purpose of the Lord, if we can know, hey, he's preparing me for something. He's preparing me for what's next. This is not a wasted time. He is the potter and I'm the clay. I'm not out of his will. I'm not running off into sin and backsliding. He's having a chase in me. I'm in the will of God. I'm walking with the Lord. And here I am. I'm in this position right now, shut in by the Lord. God's doing a deep work in our lives of preparation. He's doing a deep work in our lives of separation, separating us from the world, not separating us like just locking us up in a closet, separated from the world in the sense of our hearts being detached like we talked about in our, our cross series, separated from the world to where there's no strings attached to me so I can freely be freed up to serve God, to where I'm dead to myself and those things don't hold me. And I don't care what my old friends used to think anymore. And I don't care what my uh, co-workers and employers think if they think it's strange that I serve Christ the way I do. I'm going to serve Christ the way he's called me to. And we're going to live that way. And so there's a deep time, uh, and it is deep. It's a deep work of preparation and separation. And we're, I would just say, Lord, help me and help us, God. We need patience in this hour, we need patience to see what you're doing. Like I said, any trial, anything that's misunderstood, anything that's difficult, we want to snap our fingers and say, well, God, you answer prayer. Boom, do this for me. I've been without work for this long. I've been without uh, this for so long. I've been sick for this long, and it's too long, and God, you can fix it. Why aren't you fixing it? Um, he's, he's doing something. He's doing something deep. He's doing something that we don't always see, but we can see him. Amen. We can trust that he's still in, in control. 
He's still my heavenly father. He's still my good shepherd. He's still my friend who sticks closer than a brother. He still promised to never leave me nor forsake me. I'm still in his hands. All that is still the way it's supposed to be. So I will be still and know that he's God. I'm going to be still and stay right here. It has nothing to do with idleness. has nothing to do with laziness or being unproductive. It has everything to do with being shut in by God and being okay with that. Understanding. I mean, Joseph didn't try to make a jailbreak, did he? He didn't get the Underground Railroad and get out of the slavery when he was in Potiphar's house. He was there in the will of God, okay? And we, we need to understand that. No one wants to be misunderstood. Nobody wants to feel unnoticed while it seems like life is passing us by. But God is doing a work, amen? And so we, we might think others are actively serving, even within the church. They're living life. They're advancing in their ministries and so forth. And I, again, I just say the patience that we need from the Lord. We need that patience, and we need the wisdom from God. Maybe we feel left out. Maybe we feel forgotten even by God. I've been sitting here a long time, Lord, you know, over here. Do you remember me? Over here. And Joseph could have thought that in prison. Moses could have thought that out in the, wil- in the desert and so forth. David could have thought that running and in, in hiding in caves from Saul. We f- might feel like life is passing us by. It can be lonely at times. But I'm telling you, y'all, that Lord does this. He's doing a profound work. And if you ask David or Moses or Joseph or Reese Howells or people that have been shut in by God and shut in with the Lord for periods of their life, would you trade that for anything to the man or to the woman? They would say, absolutely not. They look back now. Thank you, God. We see it from this side now. We see it on this side and we look back and we say, you're right, Lord. This was necessary for my life. What you did here. It was 20 years longer than I wanted it to be, but you were doing just what you were supposed to do. It was necessary. Thank you, God. I'll do it again if you want me to. If you were to ask those people, because they were so surrendered to the Lord and came to that place. I don't know that they always understood it right off the bat. They're human beings, but they came to the place of understanding I'm shut in by God. Again, we use Noah and the animals and his family like a a physical physical illustration shut in by the Lord into the ark for their safety. But God shuts us in for his purposes. We might think, surely, Lord, it's been long enough now. Surely I've been waiting long enough by now. I've been in this a long time. Surely I'm sufficiently prepared or fitted for the work that you have for me. Surely I'm ready. And yet time and time again we see the men and women who are most greatly used by the Lord, I believe, and used to glorify the Lord most greatly, we shut in by the Lord for a long time, for a long period of time. It's not just a week. You know, my friends deserted me, and the next day they came back. You know, it's, sometimes it's a long time. It's a long period. And he wants us to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of those things, those friends that deserted us and everything else, and look to the Lord. And find all of our sustenance right there in Him. And find our peace in Him. And find our satisfaction in Him. And find our joy in Him. And find our purpose in living in life. Not in all those things and all those other people. But in Christ and Christ alone. That's what He's doing. And He's preparing us. And it takes time. 
He's the potter, we're the clay. He knows how much time it takes. He doesn't slap something together in 30 seconds. He's building a life. He's building a life that will be devoted to him and dedicated to him where he can reign sovereignly and fully. It can take a long time. Amen? And so there's not, it's not that it's miserable, but it, it does take a, a spiritual understanding and insight and trust in the Lord to say, okay, this is where I am. You know what I mean? This is where God has me now. God has me here. This is not just my own doing or something like that. And again, you might be misunderstood by other believers that don't get what you're doing or what, you're, what your life's all about. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 105. We've been talking about Joseph a little in the Old Testament. He had his dreams from the Lord about one day he was going to reign and rule in his own family even, and father were going to bow down to him. He was going to be used by the Lord. And then he went south, it looked like, sold by his brothers, thrown in a pit, you know, sold by his brothers, slave, taken off to a foreign land, in prison. And let's read this, Psalm 105, verse 17. So this is a recounting of that. He sent a man before them, before Israel, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. This was not pleasant. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. But verse 19 is the key here. He, he was there until, how long was he there? It doesn't even tell us here how many years or days or months or weeks. He was in that slavery and then in prison specifically until the time that his word came. It says the word of the Lord tried him. He was being tried by the Lord. He was been, being tested by the word of the Lord. I think, think about Elijah. Elijah, we know that for three and a half years he lived during the famine where he, the Lord had used him to, to pray and the heavens were shut up and it didn't rain on the, on the earth for three and a half years. During that time of famine, it, he wasn't out preaching and, and being called upon to raise the dead and heal the sick and, and turn the nation to Israel. During that three and a half year period during the famine, he was hidden out by the Lord. God says, go to this brook, Cherith, I'm going to take care of you there. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. When the brook dried up, he says, go to this woman at Zarephath and this widow, and, I've come, and there I'm going to sustain you till this is over. He, he would have been off, totally, talk about being off the grid and off the radar and off the charts and, you know, unplugged, whatever you want to call it. He was. And yet he was right in the will of God. And y'all, a lifetime before that, a lifetime even before this three and a half year famine, he was shut up with the Lord. He was shut up with the Lord, with God. He says, the Lord before whom, I st before whom I stand continually. And then what does God use him to do? The Lord uses him to, to call down fire from heaven, to confront all the nation of Israel and, and Ahab and Jezebel and the 850 prophets of Baal and, says the, and the people bowed down and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And they took the 850 prophets of Baal and slew them and the, the nation, at least for a period, was turned back to Jehovah. But all that time of preparation was that. It, it seemed like life's passing me by. Could not be winning souls. Could not be doing something for the Lord. 
Couldn't I be advancing my career? It's good for a man to work and so forth. And he wasn't. He was shut up with the Lord. And yet he was right in the will of God. No one more perfectly demonstrates this than our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just look at this. T. Austin Spark says, uh, in the path of, to greatness, speaking about Christ, in his path to greatness, Jesus suffered an assignment of silence. In part of that life, in a majority of his earthly life, Jesus was shut up. He was born to be the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He was born to be the Savior of the world, the firstborn among many brethren, the judge of all the earth, the first begotten of the dead. He was born to be all of those things, and yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered, and he suffered over a long period of time. It wasn't just the agony on the cross and the things immediately leading up to that. He was misunderstood. His own brothers weren't followers of him until after the resurrection. They didn't understand him. Uh, He suffered his whole life. Prior to John the Baptist saying at the Jordan River, pointing to Jesus and saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had 30 years of of life on earth before that. And his 30 years of life on earth before that, we know very little other than he was subject to his parents and to God and found favor with God and man. But during that 30-year period, it pleased the father, his father, not to reveal his son, but to conceal his son. So think about that. For 30 years, he's a grown man. Most people are married and have children by that time, right? He's 30 years old, and it pleased his father not to... uh, reveal his son during that time but to conceal his son during that time the son of God was waiting and the son of God was waiting in a time where Israel was so far from the Lord they would honor the Lord and worship him with their mouths and lips but their heart was far from God he saw the hypocrisy how many times did he go to the temple maybe and saw uh, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and so forth or mistreating of the people or people uh Half, you know, selling the things and the money changers in the temple. During his 30-year period, he didn't do any, anything. He didn't cleanse the temple during that time. He didn't overturn the money tables. He didn't set the Pharisees straight with his, the words of his mouth. He didn't stop the, uh, or confront the people that were about to kill the uh, stone, the adulteress, or, or whatever. He, he's waiting, okay? He's waiting, and he could have... You know, there were people that were crying out for, for the Son of God. They were genuinely seeking God like Simeon and Anna in the, in the temple. But he was waiting to be declared the Son of God with power. That time would come. That's what Paul says. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. He was waiting to be declared in his, for his, on his Father's perfect timing for the, to be called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, to be hailed as the Son of David and the Messiah. And so... Uh, He patiently remained shut in with God by his father in the school of silence, as one says, working in the sawdust. You know, he was a carpenter and and unbeknownst to the whole world. And even uh, other than this is the carpenter's son, this is Joseph. And what patience he must have had to, to continue to live that way. But I don't think he was stressed or conflicted or anything like that. I think he knew he was in the will of his father, and he came to do his will, 
and, and so he could walk this out and live it. And I think we could take great heart from that and a great example from that as well. I'm going to read this from Mark. Jesus, later in his ministry, he came unto his, into his own country. It says, many hearing him were astonished, saying, from whence hath this man these things? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? That's all they knew about him. That's all they knew about him, 30 years of his life. Now he's coming back around. Now he's been filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is abiding upon him. And he's tempted by the devil 40 days in the wilderness. And he returns in the, in the spirit and in power. And he spoke like never a man spoke before. And he went into, and now he's starting to heal the man with a withered hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now he's incurring the wrath of the, the, uh, the Pharisees and so forth. Now he goes back to his own country and said, they say, isn't this the, uh, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. He lived in obscurity, you would say, for 30 years rel relatively in obscurity, and he was in preparation for what the Lord had for him. <laughs> Somebody in, in a book I was reading made this comment, and I thought it was interesting. It says, how many caskets do you think Jesus made as a carpenter? Making furniture. How many caskets do you think he made in his life before he touched the casket of that widow's son and raised him up from the dead? He ruined that funeral, didn't he? Raised him from the dead. They had to call it off. He's living. We can't have a funeral. How many caskets had he made before he touched the casket that day and raised him from the dead? It's just something. He was shut in by the Lord. He was, he was being prepared by his father, but he patiently waited. I think he patiently waited. And the perfect will of his father, when his father would say, Now, son... Go down and meet John the Baptist out of the river. He's your herald. He's going to announce you as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then the Holy Ghost coming upon him. All that happening very quickly. And, he's, and he says, now, son. And, and Jesus comes and says, lo, I've come to do thy will it is, as it is written me in the volume of the book, thy book. And I'm going to close with just a few thoughts here, but... It could be some missionary right now today. In fact, I would venture to say there is some missionary right now today. Let's say a little trib tributary of the Amazon River somewhere out there. And they might think, what in the world am I doing here? They're Christian. They love God. They want to serve God. They had all these high hopes, and they're out there. And maybe they're not seeing a lot of fruit from their ministry. And life's passed them by. All their contemporaries are married and have children and careers. And they're Christians, too. And they might feel forgotten by the Lord. There might be some small gathering of believers, I would say, perfectly like us, that will come back tonight for prayer, that are saints of God that are praying for revival. All the big TV ministers and books and authors and conferences and this and that and going on in the name of the Lord. I'm not saying that they're not all Christians. Here's a little group of Believers praying for revival for the U.S., for America. And you feel like you're kind of forgotten. You're hidden and praying for with the Lord. We're shut up in this place praying and seeking the Lord and praying for revival. And we think maybe I'm forgotten 
Are you forgotten by the Lord? The answer to that is never. Absolutely never. None is hidden to the Lord's eyes. It is His plan. If we're the little group of believers or one of them that is in this place on a Sunday night seeking the Lord on behalf of this nation and revival for the glory of God and others are not and they're Christians too and we are, then we are here in the will of God seeking the Lord. It's His plan. He's fashioning us for what's next. He's preparing us for what's to come. He's the one who has shut us in with him. It's not a place of bondage. It's not a place of of misery. It's not a place of punishment. And if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could wait patiently for the time when his father would say, now's the time, then we can wait by faith in God's grace. Moses, 40 years in the desert, became the deliverer of Israel. The apostle Paul, Three and a half years in the Arabian Desert. Arabian Desert before he became the apostle to the Gentiles being taught by the Lord. Our Lord and Savior. 30 years unnoticed as a carpenter before he became the Savior of the world. It's a time. It's all a time of preparation by our Savior. And it's, it's for what he has ahead of us, y'all. I can't stress to that. I don't know it all perfectly. I would, you know, I don't, if I knew it all perfectly, I would tell you. I know what I know from the Lord, and I know that He is preparing us for what is ahead individually. Our little church, so to speak, I call it a little church, but our church is a wonderful church, but we might feel like we're just over here doing our own thing. I believe we're in the will of God, we're doing what God has called us to, and we're, we're being prepared. For whatever comes next. You individually are. And I am. And don't despise it. And don't think life is passing you by. Don't think your ministry is passing you by. Don't think the world is passing you by. And all your peers and contemporaries. In the church. Or in Christ are passing you by. They can. They have to stand and fall to what God's called them to do. And we'll stand and fall to what God's called us to. Individually. Amen. And I want to close with this, and D, you can come. But that scripture that we read about Joseph in, in Psalm 105, 19, where it says, Until they, they hurt his feet in irons, in fetters and irons. So he's hurting. People hurt him. He was in a miserable place physically. But it says, until, and that's the, mag- the million-dollar question, how long? Even David said, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Have you cast us off forever? Have you forgotten about us? The answer is no. David knew that. and He would come back to that. But in our humanity, we cry out in desperation. But Joseph was hurt in irons and fetters. It says, until the time of his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. That's to me is simply saying, how long he was there? He was there until God said, it's time to, to go do the next thing I have for you. He was shut in until God let him out to do what he had called him to do. That's how long. It's not a question of days, weeks, months, or years. It's a question of the, the timing of the Lord. He was in chains and fetters, hurt, until his time came, until the word of the Lord tried him. God sent his word, and he was free, and he stepped right into what God had for him. Don't despise it, y'all. We just need to walk in it with patience by the grace of God and seek the Lord. Y'all stand with me this morning.
if you're shut in, if you feel like life is passing you by, even as a Christian, and even in the ministry, you feel like things are passing me by, we are in the will of God. Make sure that you're in the will of God and seek the Lord and take heart. It's not a waste of time. Don't despise it. The Lord is preparing us, amen, that we want to draw nigh unto God and let him have his full work in us and what he's desiring to do, being shut in by the Lord. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Y'all, the altars are open. And Lord, I pray you would teach us great patience, Lord. We, your people, I do, we need great patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We need patience in this hour, God, to be still and know that you're God. We need patience, Lord, to wait on your timing. We need patience, Lord God, while you work. Sometimes it's other people's lives that are involved as well, and you're having to work in their life, and you're going to orchestrate it all together. We don't see it. We feel like we're ready. We feel like we're prepared. We feel like we should be past this point in our lives by now. And God, we're in your will. If we're in your will, if we're shut in by God, Lord, teach us, God, to find our satisfaction and our joy and our peace and our delight and being born of God and knowing God and walking with God. Thank you, Lord for working in our lives. Forgive us for the times we have been where I have been impatient, saying it's long enough for this, God. Lord, help us to patiently wait as your word tries us until the word of the Lord comes to us to move us on to what you have for us next, God. Bless your people. Strengthen us. Make us more like Jesus. Lord, you are the potter, the master potter. We're the clay in your hands. Conform us to the image of Jesus. Work in us a deep work of preparation. Work in your people a deep work, work of separation from our flesh, from the world, from the things that are not of God, that we would be wholly thine in every way. In Jesus' name.